Hey, welcome to the Colorism Healing Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Sarah L. Webb. Thank you for tuning in. This episode is a recorded session of my live Wednesday writing workshop that I stream every week at 4 p.m. Central Standard Time on Instagram and Facebook. The live experience is unique and interactive, so I'd love for you to join us. For those who can't catch the lives or who want to replay the sessions for review at a later date, you can listen right here to the podcast version or view the video recording on the Colorism Healing Facebook page and YouTube channel. Please like, follow, share, and subscribe to Colorism Healing on all your favorite sites. And if you know someone who could use or appreciate any of my content, please share it with them. Now, let's let you listen. I hope you enjoy this episode. on Instagram for sticking in there with me and watching while I fool around with Facebook. But I think I've used, I'm using the platform Be Live as a shortcut to short circuit or uh, circumvent um, the glitches on Facebook. So I'm Sarah, Dr. Webb, but you can call me Sarah. Um, I do this every week at four. Um, and some of you, all right, hey, NYC. Um, Danelle says she sees me on Facebook, so that's excellent. Um, welcome all of from NYC. I am actually streaming live from Texas. So for those of you who know, I live in Illinois, but I've been in Texas um, for a bit visiting family. Um, and this live stream is actually inspired by my niece and nephew, so I'll get more into that in just a second. Um, but these live streams are always interactive and they're always positive, but the topic varies from week to week. So a lot of weeks we do writing prompts. Sometimes we get into the nitty gritty of like grammar and um, technical aspects of poetry, like metaphor and that sort of thing. And then other weeks we talk more about healing and spirituality and colorism more broadly. Um, and so this week's topic is actually inspired. I asked my niece what I should talk about today and she whispered in my ear. She said, talk about what's on the inside. Yes. So I can't wait to get into the content. Before I do that, though, I want to make some announcements. Um, so I've, I'm still working with um, my project assistant, Diana Vasquez, and she um, is well, now that the semester is over, she's been a big help, but she's going to continue to work on the project even in the summer. So I'm really grateful for her with that. And so we have coming up on June 26th, Friday, June 26th at 12 noon, the live book launch. So that's when authors who are going to be published in the 2020 anthology are going to be able to come on and read their work and talk about their writing and talk about their experiences with colorism. So I'm super excited about that. Um, we also have a cover art. Um, designed by Ashley Adams, who's also on Instagram. So I'll be posting an image of the cover art and tagging her in it with her bio and links so you can follow her. Um, she was actually in the art exhibit that I did in North Carolina, Wilmington at the university there. Um, and we linked up again in Chicago back in February with other uh, people created Brown art by A. Jones um, and those folks to do a panel. Um, so be on the lookout for that. I do record these sessions and I make them available on YouTube. So if you can't 
watch the entire thing, you can always go back and watch the recorded version. Or if you join in late or you're not able to follow the writing prompts and questions as we go, but you want to do it separately, you can always play this back. And of course, you can play it back to share for others. So if someone else in your life, particularly people who work with kids or kids themselves um, are interested in the topic, you can always share the recording with them as well, okay? Um, so we're gonna get back into the topic. If you are just joining, the topic is talk about what's on the inside. And since this was inspired by um, me asking my niece what I should talk about today, um, I'm gonna give six tips, maybe six of these things, six tips on how to talk to kids about colorism, especially young kids, right? Um, and I'm coming from a multicolored family, like most of you, right? So hands up if you live or come from a multicolored family. Many people do, especially people of color. Um, and so I've talked in the past a lot about my mom and my sister. They're both lighter skinned than I am. Um, last week I gave a birthday shout out to my sister who turned 38, right? And so these are her kids that I'm talking about. So when I'm talking about being inspired by my niece and nephew, these are my sister's kids. Um, and my sister and I have published uh, together on colorism, we presented together on colorism, and we've done interviews with each other on colorism. Um, and one of the things we talk about, and my mom has talked about this as well, is our childhood and our experiences with the colorism, but also my sister has been thinking about what she could do with her kids um, to not only help them love themselves, but also instill in them an appreciation for people of different skin tones, right? So not just teaching kids to love themselves, but also helping kids avoid the biases, right? Helping kids avoid negative biases about people with darker skin or kinkier hair, right? And so that's part of what talking to them about colorism is. It's not just affirming them and their beauty, but it's talking about the cultural norms around what is beautiful, what is um, safe, right? What is threatening, what is a danger, and all the other stereotypes that come around skin tone, right? Um, so one thing my mom has said in the past is that she saw it in me as early as the age of five, um, but in a actually in a recent presentation I did, she wrote a poem where she talked about maybe she could have done a little bit more, right? Especially her being lighter than me, um, being several shades lighter than me. She wonders, you know, maybe I needed to say more, or maybe there was there was something I left off the table, or didn't notice, or didn't see, or maybe you needed a different kind of attention that I wasn't aware you needed, right? So I'm really glad to be doing this workshop in particular, for, not just for parents, but for aunts like myself. So I don't have kids too. So full transparency, I'm not, um, you know, giving a parenting class, right? So I'm not talking about this issue as a parent, but I have taught kids workshops. I am a teacher. I have a niece and nephew. I have younger cousins. Um, and I just like the energy of children, right? So even if you're not a parent, you know, any person who has a child in their life where they might at some point discuss colorism with them. I'm happy to be sharing some tips and strategies as I've seen them and also wanting you all as the audience to chime in with things and questions and affirmations that you've either received growing up or that you have been able to share with other young people in your life. Okay, so we're going to jump into those six tips. Um, and the first one is to start young. This is uh, very important to me because again, I, my, the story my mom tells about me, I was five. I was articulating 
the biases that I saw at five years old. And I always say that for me to articulate colorism at five, that means I had been processing it and observing it much earlier than that, right? So when the people were praising my sister and talking about how pretty she was and how she's gonna break hearts someday, and for me to be able to equate that with her being lighter skinned um, means that children, young people, are making these observations at really young ages, right? And so the first tip or strategy is to start young in terms of helping young people process what they're already seeing, because they're already going to see it. They're already going to notice it. Just like a child will notice gender differences, right? Just like a child will notice age differences, or they'll notice the difference between a family member and a stranger, right? Children notice differences. It's, we're biologically wired to do that. And they don't just notice physical differences, but they notice differences in how people treat them and how people treat others, right? So kids, as a matter of survival, are going to notice differences. They're going to notice what the adults pay attention to. They're going to notice what the adults um, criticize or have negative reactions towards, right, at very young ages, just as a matter of survival. So it's never too early to start that conversation with colorism. And obviously, you can scaffold it, right? You can build up the complexity of the conversation over time, right? You don't have to talk about, you know, systemic systems of oppression at five years old, but you can certainly talk about skin color at five and six and seven years old, right? Um, and so I'm wondering, you know, just in terms of getting feedback from you all, how young um, have you noticed colorism in people around you, right? Um, so there are comments. Uh, so Jendel is commenting as colorism healing. And she says, lots of kids books available. That's right. Lots of kids books available, um, including my workbook, by the way. So I have to plug that, right? I have a workbook that can help <laughs> um, facilitate some of these conversations. The workbook is definitely designed um, for adults to use with kids in terms of starting conversations. So it's not just worksheets, it's actual activities, right? So when you're watching TV or when you're reading storybooks, right? The Kaleidoscope workbook that I have, you know, presents you with questions and activities that you can use. Um, so Janelle says, lots of kids, books available. Um, welcome, hi. I don't know how to pronounce all of your usernames, but I'm gonna wave at you anyway. Um, so the second tip, again, on how to talk to kids about colorism is to start by listening. Aha, to start by observing and paying attention, right? So this might be counterintuitive, maybe, you know what I'm saying, how to talk to kids about colorism. So the first thing to remember is to start young. And the second thing is to listen first, actually. So we don't wanna, you know, practice adultism or whatever and not recognize that children and young people have um, have feelings, right? And they have thoughts, they have ideas, right? Even if they're not um, super complex or maybe uh, well articulated yet, so sometimes their thought patterns might exceed their verbal skills, right? But children, young people do have thoughts and ideas. Um, and we can learn a lot about what they're going through if we're willing to pay attention and observe. So a lot of times, uh, even from my, in my own experience, we might notice a strange or odd reaction in the child and we kind of ignore it like, oh, I'll just brush that off, right? Um, so some things to observe and some things to listen for is what are they saying about their hair? 
What are the young people saying about their skin tone and about other people's appearances? What are they saying about other people's appearances could be very telling as well. And then also what do they do, right? So do they um, only pick dolls with long blonde hair and blue eyes, right? That's a behavioral thing that you can notice in young children, right? If they're picking avatars on a video game, an observation you can make as an adult is how closely does that avatar actually reflect what they look like? Um, Jindel says, as three, four, or five, or well, as young as three, four, or five, may have lots of questions that are a clue. Why is my hair like this, et cetera? So Jindel on Facebook, if you're on Instagram, you won't see the comment, but Jindel on Facebook says um, that she's seen colorism exhibited as young as three, four, and five years old. And that one observation to make is that the children or the young people will have questions, right? They might ask, why is my hair different? from the other girls in my class, right? Or why is my skin tone browner than my cousins or my classmates, right? So they are asking questions. And again, that goes back to the fact that they observe. They are aware of the differences. So they can't, they don't have a framework for understanding why they're different or why someone else is different. And that's where we come in um, as older people who can help them to process the things that they're seeing and experiencing and witnessing, right? So again, um, things that they say, including questions, why am I different? Why is my hair not straight or that sort of thing? And also their behavioral patterns, right? The kinds of toys they choose to play with, the kinds of friends that they're able to make and that they choose to make, um, how they react to people of different ethnicities and skin tones and physical features is an important observation. Um, and so actually, what are some questions? Oh, no, sorry. My third prompt, the third tip is ask questions, right? So after we observe and listen, then we can ask informed questions. And I think that's important too, because we asked, where do I start with talking to kids about colorism? And I think in addition to listening, we start the conversation, we start to broach that subject by asking them questions. And so that goes hand in hand with the observation piece. So I think about the viral video of the young four-year-old who looked into the camera and said, I'm so ugly, right? And so the hairdresser at the time she was right on, you know, with affirming her and saying, you're pretty, you know, black is beautiful. Um, but I think at some point too, we should just not rush to affirm, right? Or counteract the things that we're hearing. But we should also ask them questions, right? Like, so why do you think that? Or what do you think is beautiful? How do you know when someone is beautiful, right? And sort of getting insights into how they're thinking and why they're thinking those things. Um, because maybe you realize that, oh, there aren't enough images on TV that they're seeing that are positive, or there aren't enough children's books at their home, right? So asking questions can actually help you get to solutions, right? And we talk about, well, what's the solution? Everybody wants to know what the solution is. Well, sometimes you have to ask questions and start to um, tap into why, you know, kids might not like their natural hair or why they might be confused about um, why they're darker than their mom, right? These are things I've heard um, young people say. Um, and so what are some of the questions that you can ask? What are some questions you can ask? Again, if you're observing a certain type of comment, 
you can ask, well, why do you think that, right? Um, my sister was reflecting on a conversation she had with her kids and she said, well, how would you feel if, right? So that's a great question starter, right? So how or why do you think that or why do you feel that way? But also how would you feel if someone called you a name, right? So if you hear um, a disturbing comment um, that someone makes about another person, it's not always about themselves, right? Um, sometimes they're developing negative attitudes about other people. So you can ask, you know, well, how would you feel if someone made that comment about you, right? And so that starts to help them um, process things. And again, you can get even more feedback by listening to them. Um, Another thing in terms of asking questions is to debrief with them whenever there's a new event. Uh, so after watching a movie, for example, you can ask them, okay, so what did you think about the princess in the movie? Or what did you think about the main character or the setting, right? And listen for their understanding or their interpretation of the main characters and what happened to them, especially if you as the adult noticed colorism in the film, it's good to uh, ask the young people questions as well. Um, you can ask them, so what was good about the dark skinned character in the movie, right? What are some positive aspects about X character or Y character in the film, right? So asking them questions, not only to see what they're thinking, but also to prompt their thinking, to also inspire them to think differently about skin tones. Okay, so the fourth uh, tip or strategy in terms of talking to young people about colorism, if you're just tuning in, the first strategy was to start young. The second strategy was to listen and observe. The third strategy was to ask questions. And so now the fourth strategy, which we all love, I think everybody loves this strategy because I don't know, it's kind of the most intuitive one and that's to affirm, to bring about affirmations, right? And so a good tip in terms of affirmations is to make them specific based on your observations. So again, that's why the listening and observing piece is so important. So if that young person or that child you're looking to talk to um, has a specific focus, right? So if they are um, expressing shame around their darker skin or around their kinkier hair, you can gear your affirmation to their specific concern or their specific insecurity, right? Um, the second tip in terms of affirmations is to not just affirm that child and their beauty, but to affirm the beauty of diverse people as well. So I remember I said that children are observant and they're aware of who the adults praise. They're aware of who the adults talk to, of who the adults become friends with, of who the adults choose to date and choose to surround themselves with, right? So it's not just enough to tell that young person that they are beautiful. They also need to hear us as adults affirming other black women. I'm being very blunt and um, direct here. They also need us to, to see us as adults affirming other dark-skinned Black women, other women with 4C hair, right? So it's not enough just to say, oh, you're beautiful. Children are aware of when you uh, only attribute beauty or value or worth or competence or trustworthiness or intelligence to people with more Eurocentric appearances, to people with straight hair, to people, if you only work with or hire or invite into your home people with lighter complexions and straight hair textures, 
children are going to notice that. So the important thing to remember about affirmations is make them specific to the child, but also let children see you affirming other kinds of beauty as well, especially underrepresented beauty and misrepresented beauty, okay? Um, the fifth part, we're almost to the end, so we're only doing six today. Thank you all for hanging in there for all six. So the fifth part is to talk about what's on the inside. And this goes directly to my niece, Malaika's tip, right? Or she suggested that I talk today about what's on the inside. It was so cute because I just casually said, Malika, what should I talk to talk about today for my writing workshop, right? And she, without hesitation, she just walked up to me and whispered in my ear. She said, oh, I know. She said, talk about what's on the inside. <laughs> and I was taken aback by that because she's only six. And I'm like, oh, that was kind of deep. That's deep. <laughs> so I have, just like with the affirmation piece, I have two um, points to make about talking what's on the inside. So the, the big one is that yes, in affirming children and affirming anybody, really, we should not just limit our praise to the physical things, right? This is something I talk to a lot in terms of um, light-skinned people, light-skinned women, particularly people who have, you know, loose curl patterns or what we consider good hair, people who have light eyes, right? If you are constantly praising them for only the outside, if you only ever notice their physical beauty, you're doing them a disservice as well, right? So whoever it is, um, we need to take the conversation beyond affirming the physical beauty. And we do need to affirm characteristics. We need to affirm personality traits. We need to affirm kindness. We need to affirm intelligence, problem solving skills, tenacity, courage, bravery, right? All these things. Um, so as important as it is to instill confidence and belief in our physical beauty, especially for children of color, especially for black children, especially for dark skinned black children, um, there's definitely a danger. Um, and again, I see this a lot um, in, in how we talk to and about light skinned children, about mixed race children. Um, Hippie Chick Joy says, because they learn that's what's most important, absolutely. So Jackie on Instagram is saying, that if we constantly affirm like, oh, you have such good hair, I love your hair, or your eyes are so pretty, your eyes are so pretty, then they learn that that's what's most important about them, right? And that um, can be dangerous as well. But the other aspects of talking about what's on the inside is not just saying, oh, you're smart too, right? Not only are you beautiful outside, but you're kind and you're generous and you're brave. Um, yes, and that does play into colorism. <laughs> Yeah, because they get their value or they feel like their worth and their value comes from the fact that they have light skin or light colored eyes or a certain hair texture, right? Because that's what everyone else is valuing them based on, right? Um, the, the thing that when my niece said talk about what's on the inside, when it comes to colorism, I think it's also important to let children talk about their feelings. So talking about what's on the inside is not just affirming their internal qualities. But talking about what's on the inside is us as adults being able to um, help them talk about when they're hurt, when they're sad, when they're angry, when they have a desire that they can't fulfill, when they are longing to go outside but it's raining or we're in quarantine, right? So to me, talking about what's on the inside in terms of talking to children also means 
that we as adults have to be able to talk about the hard stuff, the quote unquote hard stuff, right? Um, when children are being bullied because of colorism or for any other reason, right? Being able to let them talk about how that makes them feel on the inside, right? So what's on the inside is not always just like, yes, I'm strong. Yes, I'm smart. Yes, I'm brilliant. Yes, I'm brave. Sometimes what's on the inside is I'm scared. <laughs> I'm scared to go to school today. Or I am scared to go to school without my hair a certain way, right? And talking about why, where does that fear come from? Um, talking about what's on the inside is not just affirming those internal qualities, but it's also um, having that diet and showing children that it's okay to talk about the fact that you're sad demonstrating and modeling for children that it's okay to talk about what's on the inside sometimes. We don't always have to keep the conversation superficial and shallow and talk about, yes, you know, your hair is beautiful. We can talk about the fact that, yes, your hair is beautiful, but I understand that you feel ashamed about it right now, right? So I'm not just going to tell you that your hair is beautiful. I'm going to acknowledge that in the moment you're feeling shame around your hair, right? And so to me, talking about what's on the inside, thanks again to my six-year-old niece, right? Children are geniuses if we, you know, actually pay attention, um, is, you know, acknowledging that, yes, I am lacking confidence right now. Yes, I feel insecure about my dark brown skin right now, you know? And the affirmation piece gets all the focus. But I think part of what helps the affirmations to stick is to acknowledge um, the pain and the hurt and the fact that maybe I hear what you're saying, auntie, mom, dad, teacher, but I'm not there yet, right? I know you're telling me that I'm beautiful, or that my hair is beautiful, but I, as this seven-year-old or I, as this eight-year-old, I'm not quite there yet, right? Right now, I'm scared to go to school because the kids tease me about my Afro, right? And so I think talking about what's on the inside is the big lesson here, um, both in terms of not focusing so much on physical beauty, but talking about the whole person, or not focusing just on physical beauty. It is okay to affirm the outward appearance. Um, Jackie says, right, because feelings teach them that whatever they feel is valuable. Absolutely, feelings teach them that whatever they feel is valuable. And feelings um, can be informative, right? Um, I think, because for me, like not talking about colorism, I didn't feel safe explaining that I was hurting or that I was sad because of the things people said. I felt like I had to be strong and not um, admit that I was feeling afraid or angry at what people said about me, you know? Um, I, I think I turned out okay, but um, not every child is going to come into um, the language or the tools or the strategies for processing their emotions if we, who are in their lives now, don't have those conversations with them, okay? Um, and so I'll close with homework and affirmation as always. I keep these, okay, good. I think I've got all my comments. Around 30 minutes each time, so we're at a little at 30 minutes because we started late. Um, but the homework for you all who are watching, two things is to observe. And if you're feeling up to the occasion to ask questions of the young people in your life, um, observe and 
again, colorism healing requires courage. It requires courage for us as adults to face these things because we can talk about talking to children about colorism, but there are adults who haven't really worked through our colorism issues, right? There are adults who still struggle sometimes with opening up about being hurt. <laughs> so it takes a lot of work for everyone. Um, did you do number six? Oh, I didn't do number six. Thank you. Jandel, reminding me I missed number six. Sorry, y'all. <laughs> so the number six one is really exciting, and that is to educate children about melanin. Yes, the biological chemical melanin that exists in our skin and that helps to give it its brown color. And so this is my favorite tip because I actually use this on my niece and nephew during our virtual library time. And I defined melanin for them. I explained that it protects us from the sun and that in that way it's a gift, right? And so that's a good strategy. If you see young people who are starting to have negative feelings or negative attitudes about dark brown skin, is to tell them what melanin actually is, right? That that dark brown color is actually not random. It's not arbitrary. It's your body's natural way of protecting you from the sun. Um, and so seeing that there's a positive uh, framework or a positive spin on getting darker in the summer getting darker when you go out in the sun, right? So that whole idea of, I don't wanna go outside, I don't wanna get too dark, I don't wanna get a tan, I don't wanna be too dark, I wanna stay light, right? Teaching children that actually, you should get darker in the sun if you don't want to sunburn, right? Because the alternative is sunburn. Um, and that the getting darker is your body's way of protecting you from those UV rays. So it's like magic, your body is magical. Um, melanin is a magical chemical. Um, okay, so yes, that was number six. Okay, so really quickly, a recap for all six tips and strategies. Start young, listen and observe, ask questions, affirm not only the child, but also other people of different complexions, especially underrepresented complexions like people with dark skin and 4C hair, and then talk about what's on the inside. So affirm their internal characteristics, and from the internal characteristics of other people, but also help them learn to talk about their feelings, help them to admit and understand and express the fact that they're feeling hurt or ashamed or afraid. Um, and then the sixth one is to educate them about melanin, right? Educate them about the actual biological facts of their skin tone. Um, okay, so now the homework and affirmations, again, to observe and ask questions. Um, again, I'm going to plug the workbook, the Kaleidoscope workbook. So if you are um, wanting maybe some assistance or some more tangible tools to guide you in having this discussion with kids, there are lots of activities and worksheets and prompts there. The affirmation I'm going to close with you all ha has to do with, again, what my niece whispered in my ear is that I have the courage to talk about what's on the inside, right? So this is something you can say for yourself. This is something you can teach the young people to say, I have the courage to talk about what's on the inside. I have the courage to talk about what's on the inside. Um, if there are no other questions, you all, I'm going to thank you again for joining me for another Wednesday writing workshop. Shout out to all my regulars. I think I have some DMs to send for the people who are regulars. 
Um, I want to treat you all and show my appreciation for always tuning in from week to week, even if you don't stay the whole time, even if you miss a week or you have to come in late. Um, I thoroughly appreciate the engagement, the support, the acknowledgement of this issue of colorism as being worthy of our time and attention, acknowledgement of the role that language and writing plays and how to heal from it and overcome it. Um, so I'll be seeing y'all on all the internet pages. Make sure you share this, like, subscribe, follow, do all the things, because I like to keep in touch with you all. And I'll see y'all next week. I'm going to ask my nephew what he wants to talk about next week. So it might be good. <laughs> Bye. Love y'all. Hey again, before you go, I just want to say thank you for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, please share it with someone you know. I hope you can tune in for the next one. And until then, I'm wishing you lots of love.